0: As our basket's going around the room, I, just, I want to start just uh, kind of into where we're going. And I just want to uh, ask you if you know about the seven wonders of the ancient world. That would, that would not be the seven wonders of the world as it is in modern history, but the seven wonders of the ancient world. So who, who knows one of the seven wonders of the ancient world? Whoever that goddess was, and yes, did you read ahead? You, how did you? How did you? How did you? How did you come across the temple of our History Channel? Yeah, I mean you're, you're you're on a roll, Sylvia. Go! Come on, I'll sit down. Come on. I thought it was That's right. So you're right. The Temple of Artemis uh, in Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Anybody else got another guess? This is kind of fun. The Babylonian Hanging Gardens. That's another one. All right. That's where you were. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know these yesterday. I asked Amber and she mentioned Babylon. So, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, the Great Pyramid is one of the ancient. Okay, we have three, four more to go. (laughs) Jeremy, how did you remember that? The lighthouse of, of Alexandria, Egypt, was one of the ancient seven wonders of the world. Okay. Keep it rolling. We're on a roll. I mean, we're rolling. Number, f- We're up to five? What? Oh, come <laughs> Atlantis? Maybe not. How about the Statue of Zeus? Oh. Did you say That's that too? Liberty. They're no, Statue of Liberty, no. Okay, well, good job. Well, as Sylvia aptly introduced, Antipater of Sidon, who actually put together the list, and it was a recognized list, of the seven wonders of the ancient world, wrote, I have gazed on the walls of impregnable Babylon along which chariots may race and on the Zeus by the banks of the Alpheus. I have seen the hanging gardens and the colossus of the Helios, the great man-made mountains of the lofty pyramids and the gigantic tomb of Amosoulos. But when I saw the sacred house of Artemis that towers to the clouds the others were placed in the shade for the sun himself has never looked upon its equal outside Olympus now the the goddess Artemis was called the queen of heaven notice she was called savior before Jesus was called savior She was the mother goddess. She promised fertility, long life, sexual fulfillment, protection during pregnancy and childbirth. She must be watching over our community. Just kidding. And there was, grossly, a seductive sexuality in her worship. Notice this. She was probably the most worshipped deity in Asia and perhaps the entire world at the time of Paul. Hundreds of eunuch priests, virgin priestesses and religious prostitutes served her. The worship rituals were rather erotic. Ephesus was considered Neocoros for Artemis, which meant the city was the center for Artemis worship and responsible for maintaining the cult's purity of worship. So those that lived in the city of Ephesus, a city of about 300,000 considered it was their job, their responsibility to watch over this temple of Artemis. The cult brought great wealth to the citizens of Ephesus because the temple of Artemis became the world's largest bank during the time. Two statues of her have been found in the city hall of Ephesus indicating that she was considered to be the basis for life in the city of Ephesus. Artemis was considered to be the basis of life for those that lived in Ephesus and in Asia Minor, the world's largest bank, the most worshipped deity, at the time that Paul. Now notice, if you take that historical fact, notice what the Bible has been telling us. Acts 19. God did. God did. Don't confuse what Paul did with what what God did. God did through a person, just like you and me. God did powerful things through literally Paul's hands. Now, the Sunday that we kind of prayed for each other about our hands... ...somebody did come up and say, are you really serious? You really think like God still like works through people's hands? Yeah. There's nothing in the Bible that says he doesn't. And he's doing it here. God did powerful things through Paul's hands. And they were really quite out of the ordinary. Now, out of the ordinary does not mean that's the only time it ever happened... The only time it's going to happen. It's just, it was, an, it was a very extraordinary season of God doing powerful things in Ephesus, where the Temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the great the ancient world, was. And it was, it was soon news all over Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, that the realization spread that God was in and behind the ministry of Paul and others. And there was was great fear, great respect fell upon this whole city of Ephesus. Again, remember, this is a city that considered Artemis. They were the custodians of this goddess. And all of a sudden, things are happening and it causes this great respect to fall upon the city, respect for the name of Jesus. And in such ways, it became evident that the word of the Master was now sovereign and prevailed in Ephesus. Put that in the context of what we just read. The word, the message. I mean, what, what Luke is trying to communicate is this, this very powerful message increased and prevailed over every other power in this city of Ephesus. Ephesus. A way of saying that is the authority of the kingdom of Jesus became evident and present in Ephesus during these days. The word increased and prevailed. That means there was an increase of more and more Jews and Greeks following Jesus. So more and more people were leaving the synagogue to follow Jesus. More and more people were leaving the temple of Artemis. They're now following Jesus. And the authority of the word, the power, don't be afraid of that word, the power of the message of the kingdom arriving in Ephesus. It won out. It won out over all the magical powers of both the Jew and the Greek. It won out over Artemis. This is a big deal. The most revered deity... Maybe in the whole world at the time, this message of Jesus, Messiah, King, His kingdom arriving, it won out over this, this goddess. And it's as a result of the rule of the Lord, that literally, I'm just trying to be as literal as I can, I'm probably a little prejudiced because I am looking for kingdom, but as a result of the power of the Lord, the Kratas, it, it can mean the rule. So the rule and power... Go together. It's the authority of the Lord, the authority of... Because of that, authority of the Master, through Paul and those following Jesus, in Ephesus, there was growth and a prevailing of this message over every other power. So it should, I think, I hope, what I hope is we stop and go, whoa, I mean, who's, who's in charge? What does it say about the authority of Jesus... Like when one of the seven wonders of the world where the 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 like the leading deity goddess of the world, where the the world's banking when that institution in Ephesus is threatened by the authority of Jesus, what does that tell you about the authority of Jesus? Then we get to the end of this it's It's even the pax Romana that means the peace of Rome, even the Roman Empire now. Is beginning to feel the shockwave. There's an authority here that is going to our political. We're going to lose some political authority here. So, what does that teach us about the power, the authority of the rule of Jesus on the earth before Jesus returns? Let's get into the account. Acts 19, 21 to 22. After all this had come to a head, Paul decided it was time to move on to Macedonia and Achaia provinces and from there to Jerusalem. Then he said, I'm off to Rome. I've got to see Rome. He sent two of his assistants, Timothy, Erastus, on to Macedonia... And Paul stayed for a while and wrapped things up in Asia. Notice, Paul is wrapping things up in Asia and all of a sudden an afterthought, just this is after shock really of, of the past two years of Paul being in Ephesus teaching about Jesus, about his kingdom. That message increasing, that message prevailing over the powers of... The aftershock of that, Paul is leaving. I mean, he's pressing on. He's going to go revisit the churches that were planted in in Macedonia and Achaia. Then he's going to go over to Jerusalem, touch base with home base. And then he wants to go to Rome. He wants to go to the number one city around the Mediterranean basin. He's been to Antioch. Barnabas and, and John Mark probably went to Alexandria Uh, Apollos comes from Alexandria. They've been in Ephesus. Now he wants to get to Rome. And this is the aftershock. Before Paul got away, a huge ruckus occurred over what was now being referred to as the way. A certain silversmith, Demetrius, conducted a brisk trade in the manufacture of shrines to the goddess Artemis employing a number of artisans in his business. He rounded up his workers and others similarly employed and said, Men, you know well that we have a good thing going here. And you've seen how Paul has barged in and discredited what we're doing by telling people that there's no such thing as a God made with hands. A lot of people are going along with him, not only here in Ephesus but also throughout the Asia province. Not only is our little business in danger of falling apart, but the temple of our famous goddess Artemis will certainly end up in a pile of rubble as her glorious reputation fades to nothing. And this is no mere local matter. The whole world worships our Artemis. Notice... This aftershock, Paul is moving on. His two years are are over. He's done what Jesus has called him to do, but he is shaking the foundations of religion and culture in Ephesus. And this guy starts a disturbance that is not a small deal. This is a really big disturbance, severe, in the city of Ephesus. Notice as a silversmith, he is saying, Hey, our business is going to be impacted here. Uh, Bottom line is we're going to lose some money. People are not going to buy our little idols anymore. And I'm noticing that we're also losing members. There are people not showing up on Artemis worship day, whatever day that was. We're losing members, we're losing revenue, and we're also losing our religious and cultural reputation. And not only is our existence... our our existence is being threatened as well as the worship of Artemis. This teaching, this teaching about Jesus, this teaching about Jesus being a king, this teaching about Jesus bringing a kingdom, that's going to be the end of us. We got to do something about it. So, That set off off a frenzy. It doesn't say this, but but I can tell you by inference, thousands, thousands ran into the street yelling, great Artemis of the Ephesians, great Artemis of Ephesians. They put the whole city, 300,000, in an uproar, stampeding into the stadium, grabbing two of Paul's associates on the way, the Macedonians, Gaius and Aristarchus. Paul wanted to go, but the disciples wouldn't let him. Prominent religious leaders in the city who had become friendly to Paul concurred, no, by no means, you don't need to go near that mob. Some were yelling one thing, some another. Most of them had no idea what was going on or why they were there. There are thousands of people on the streets of Ephesus filled with rage. This is an angry crowd of people. It's, with, it's in anger that they're yelling out, Great Artemis of Ephesus. I mean, they're making their stand. Great Artemis of Ephesus. They seized Gaius. And Aristarchus, two followers of Jesus, violently... This is not, hey, come with us. This was... Faith. I mean, they roughed them up, drug them into the theater. That theater held 25,000 people. And that theater was full. Paul... Just, I mean, again, this tells you a little bit about Paul. I, 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 need, I, I need to face him. What? Are you crazy? There's 25,000 angry people in that theater. Well, my guys are there. I I need to go get my guys out, and I need need to address this crowd. No, you can't do that. They're going to murder you. As the Jews pushed Alexander to the front to try to gain control, different factions clamored to get him on their side. But he brushed them off and quieted the, the mob with an impressive sweep of his arms. But the moment he opened his mouth, And they knew he was a Jew, they shouted him down. Hey, you're a Jew, you don't worship Artemis. Great Artemis of the Ephesians, great Artemis of the Ephesians. This went on for over two hours. Finally, the town clerk, who is the leading political authority in the town, sanctioned by the Roman Empire, he got the mob quieted down. and He said, fellow citizens, is there anyone anywhere who doesn't know that our dear city Ephesus is protector of the glorious Artemis and her sacred stone image that fell straight out of the heaven? Since this is beyond contradiction, you'd better get a hold of yourself. This is conduct unworthy of Artemis. These men you've dragged in here have done nothing to harm either our temple or our goddess." So, if Demetrius and his guild of artisans have a complaint, they can take it to the court. And they can make all the accusations they want. If anything else is bothering you, bring it to the regularly scheduled town meeting. It'll be settled there. There is no excuse for what's happening today. You're putting our city in serious danger. Rome, remember... Rome is in in control here. Remember, Rome does not look kindly on rioters. If you don't go home and quiet down, the soldiers will show up. And with that, he sent them home. The Jewish community, because Ephesus is there, they want to distance themselves from Paul and his followers. That's why Alexander is being hey go you know go go quiet and go speak go speak you know let let them know that we're not we're not on the side with the Christians. Well, that didn't work. So then this town secretary he quiets the crowd and he, then he really just he really warns them. If this doesn't stop like we're like now, uh, Roman soldiers are going to show up. Now, as a community of people. Living in a city, living in cities. I mean, this passage is ripe for us to talk about some things. One, I just want to remind you, the kingdom of God is the rule of Jesus in all his creation, including the earth. It's not just about Jesus' ruling in the heavenlies. It's about Jesus ruling all of his creation in the heavenlies and on earth. He is the king of all creation. High king of heaven. He's the high king of heaven. When you use, when you kind of come across that that word, "basileia" in Greek, the kingdom, it, it emphasizes two things. It emphasizes the dignity of the king and it emphasizes the authority, the power of the king. Now when we come into this section What's what we're looking at is the authority of the kingdom begins to threaten every existing power structure in that city. And maybe even that continent, that that place on the planet. The authority of Jesus is is a threat. And the, it's really the authority of Jesus, the power of Jesus, as, his, as he demonstrates his kingdom rule, his, his authority over sickness, his authority over evil spirits, his authority over magic, his authority over a goddess. That's causing great disturbance. Now what, I, what that brings me to... I mean I, my I, you know what you, when you're reading the Bible you want you want to kind of dig in what, what's what's going on historically but you want to kind of come over into our ho- own world. I want to ask you something. In our day, who are the angry people on the street? Who are the people that are feeling threatened by the power of centers? Have we, have we maybe lost sight of something? This world is like 180 degrees the opposite of the world that you and I are living in. I read every week about angry Christians on the street I read every week articles about Christians threatened by other religion or government, and I'm looking at this thinking that well, that's not going on here. Paul and those that he's 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 convinced to come along with him, they feel really they're not they're not angry. They're just telling people about Jesus. They're telling people about this kingdom that's arriving. And they're not threatened. The threat's the other way around. Now, each one of us, each one of us, we have, all of us are engaged in our society in some domain. Whether it be food and water, social, civil, education, arts, media, science, technology, government, medicine, economics. Now, as you kind of identify where you are in that domain, i just got to ask, is your faith threatened in that domain? Or is your faith a threat to that domain? Because what this is teaching us is that our faith in believing Jesus is the king, that his kingdom is arriving, and ultimately Jesus will rule it all on the earth... That is a threat to each one of these domains. There's someone or something in every domain that's in charge. And when you walk into that domain in the name of... You don't have to say it. I'm not saying... You know, start sticking bumper stickers on your head. It's just just who you are. I mean, when it dawns on... Oh, yeah, Jesus is our king. I've invited Jesus to establish his rule in me every day i want to go out every day i want to do what jesus wants to do through me when that start we start living that way that's it i mean we're sending a message it's i mean it it it's in the spiritual realm but it's there and so if you walk let's just use education when you walk into a public building of education and you walk in there as a follower of jesus and you pray Not out loud. You can pray in that building. Anybody can pray in a public building. I mean, even Jesus said, you know, when you're in public, you don't have to pray out loud. Matter of fact, sometimes when you pray out loud, you really want all the attention. Maybe our government did a favor for us. Ever think of it that way? You don't have to stop praying. You don't have to stop believing. You can't. (laughs) So you walk into that building, and every day I hope you're praying, Jesus, I am praying every day. Mercy, mercy. Jesus, establish your rule in this classroom. Jesus, be in charge here. Jesus, I want you to do through me in this classroom as a teacher what you want to do. (coughs) My friends, there is no power on the earth that can stop that. And if every one of us that know Jesus address every day that way, we're all going to every domain where we're called or where we have interest, my friends... There's going to be some Demetrius in that realm that say, these folks are causing trouble. And you're probably not causing trouble other than just being who you are. But that's how our world changes. Our world changes because we stop being in charge, because whoever is ruling over our domain stops being in charge, and Jesus becomes the one that's in charge of our lives everything that we are everything that we do and these domains of our society that's how our world changes did it, did it happen in, is that how it happened in Ephesus? so I'm saying you're a coach you're a coach then be a good coach in the name of Jesus. And you don't ever have to say Jesus. Just be who you are and invite Jesus to establish his rule over that school where you coach. You're You're stuck out in the middle of the ocean on a drilling rig. I hope you're asking Jesus to be in charge. I've seen those kind of like candles. They can be. Jesus be in charge. And then there's moms. How important is home? Jesus, how important is it for our kids? At an early age, to, to understand, it, my mom's not the only one in charge here. There's someone bigger than my mom. <laughs> yeah, I thought about, and because within the story of, you know, Dimitri, it's really about money. For, we're going to lose money. You as a follower of Jesus, you start dabbling in the, 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 the realm of the economy, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Republicans and Democrats have sold us out. I started to bring like a slide to show, but I thought, well, you're probably not going to believe me. Because there's been such this, this spin. You know, one party, you know, they they don't spend money, the other party... Does spend money. that's not true. They all spend money. They've all they've all broke. They've broken our nation. We're financially broke. Now you start going. You, you start dabbling in that world. You think you're gonna you're gonna mess some stuff up? Yes, you are. Jesus will, because Jesus doesn't play that game. You're all responsible. It doesn't matter what political party you're in. You're all responsible. You're not only responsible for making a mess, you're responsible for cleaning it up. And I can help you do it. See, that's where our nation is missing it. We're not asking Jesus to help us. So many of my friends are thinking that, well, if we could just get America back to what it was, what was it? It's never been this with Jesus in charge. We need to be what Jesus wants us to be as a nation. Not what we think some glorious past was. I'm grateful. Some great things have happened. And there's some horrible things that have happened in our history. Just like my dad said, you know, gosh, there's so much evil. Really? Is there more evil today than there's been? Are you kidding me? Is there more evil over there than here? Are you kidding me? Why do we sanitize our history? See, Jesus doesn't let us do that. Am I communicating? I hope I'm communicating. This is not a political advertisement. This is an advertisement about the kingdom of God. That's what's most important. Seek first my kingdom, Jesus said. And the righteousness that springs from that. And I'll I'll do everything else. Now, if you and I, people gathering in a building that has, you know, something to do with community or church on it, if we don't get this, no one else going to get it? So I'm just wondering, would you like to join me? in just taking responsibility of your own domain wherever you are called wherever you're working whatever your interest is could you say you know Jesus I want to make sure that I'm delivering your message to my domain because I really want the domain where I function I really want it to be under your control And and I want to just commit myself to inviting you establish your rule and your reign in my domain if, if you can join me in that kind of a prayer would you please stand Jesus, as we come to the end of our time together, I, I, just, I just think about the courage that Paul had uh, to recognize that a riot was going on and that, uh, like, he was... I mean, like, people were accusing him. And he was, he was courageous. And he doesn't seem like he was mad or out of control, he just was confident that you and you'd done a great thing through him that you'd done powerful things through his mouth and through his hands and all of a sudden there's just these shock waves that are going off in the city of Ephesus, Lord as I think about what you did Lord I really long for you to do something similar in our day Lord, I thank you that we're, we're it. I mean, you're not going to do it without us, and I'm amazed by that. But history tells us that you, continue, you, you want to continue to do powerful things through people, ordinary people like us. Lord, I believe that everyone in this room this morning, all of it, we've all pledged to follow you. And Lord, as we've pledged to follow you, you are now sending us into these domains that define our society. And Lord, what I'd ask is that you would send us now with a confidence that we represent your authority in each one of those domains. And that, Lord, we would go just with this simple prayer. Jesus, establish your kingdom in me. Jesus, establish your rule, your reign in the domain where I work or where I'm just really interested Jesus, what we're saying is we want you to be in charge of our world. We know that our world will never recover from its rebellion until you are enthroned here on this planet. Until that day of your return, Lord, we thank you that we can enthrone you. We can can ask you to establish your kingdom early in us and through us. So, Holy Spirit, would you teach us what that means? Would you remind us each and every day to invite Jesus into the middle of all that we're doing? And Lord, when that begins to threaten, when that begins to cause disturbances, teach us how to handle that and what to do. Lord, we bless you, and we thank you for your power and your authority and your interest in us and our world. Thank you that you want life to be better for us in your name. Amen. Thank you very much, my friends.